Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show The Haunting of Hill House. Today we'll be covering the fourth episode from Netflix TV series The Haunting of Hill House titled The Twin Thing. The Twin Thing. What a good episode. What'd you think of this one this week, Sean? I liked it. It was pretty intriguing. Um, Luke is a character I think that from the first three episodes I kind of wanted to hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and this episode really kind of shows a lot of his struggles and kind of made him not seem as much of a letdown as kind of the family led on to make, led, led you on to believe. So I was really excited to see everything from his perspective. Yeah, I agree. I, I really am glad we got this episode to kind of get to know Luke a little bit and about his story. I mean, I already kind of fell in love with little Luke, little yeah. young Luke. He's so darn cute and adorable. How can you Those not glasses. love little, I know, and his little voice inflection. I mean, he, he could probably wrap any adult around his fingers with that sweet little voice inflection he's got. But um, so, yeah, it was good to get to know um, the older version of Luke this time. Because we've certainly got a very limited picture of him. Um prior to this. So I'm glad we got to know him a little bit more. So with that being said, let's jump into our top five of this week. Why don't you kick us off? All right. So my number five, I'm going to start with, uh, it's kind of a love interest uh, of Luke's. It's Joey. Mm -hmm. So he's in his uh, rehab. Uh, We see that, you know, it's kind of different from the ones we saw. It's like usually like the day before, a couple days before, but this one was like 90 days out, 30 days out. Mm -hmm. And you see him going back into rehab and you see him finding somebody in rehab that kind of they, they create a bond. And you get to see him go all the way to 90 days. And I think a lot of it has to do with this character, Joey, who I think this is the first time we've seen her. I don't remember seeing her before. Yeah. And, you know, you definitely learn. I, I've never been to any kind of rehab or anything. I don't really know anybody that's been to rehab. So, like, mm-hmm. everything I know about it's from, like, movies or really this show, I think, kind of explained a lot of the inside details of it, if it's true. Uh, but the counselor explains and says, Hey, you know, we don't want to create relationships your first year in rehab, especially with another addict because addicts are not reliable. And Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you think about it, if you're in like one of these situations and you fall in love with somebody, you really kind of put your progression and your sobriety on them. If they relapse, it's probably pretty likely that you will. Yeah. And we learn in this that Joey does end up leaving and he goes out to find her because he cares for her. And that's kind of where we learn. Like he, he, he really says, like, hey, we're not in a relationship. It's not that. It's not that. But you can tell it, it really is. It's, it's some mm-hmm. kind of stronger bond. And multiple times in this, when he's interacting with her, I was expecting him to either – because we all saw what happened when he was in Steve's apartment. He broke into it and yeah. he came down like all – like looked like he was coming down from a high. But – so I'm expecting somewhere in this for him to actually use, but he, he played strong. Like he was in an area where you saw it getting passed around. He could see it. He could identify it, but he was looking for Joey to help her. And when he does, he he does all he can to try and help her out. But the, the part that kind of got me too is she's like, he tells like, Hey, I can go find my brother. We'll get some money. We'll we'll stay someplace safe. You know, we'll try and ride this out. Mm -hmm. And he goes, gets the money and she comes back and, the alley scene. Oh yeah. So they're standing there. It's like very emotional. Like he, I think he kind of feels like he did the right thing 
and she gives him a kiss and she walks down there to go pee. That's what she says. And I like, I wrote down on that. I'm like, okay, is she going down there to use again? Which to me would have been like bad. Yeah. Uh, but she actually, and being a former, I guess you're never really a, well, are you a former junkie or are you always a junkie or, or an always an addict? I can't, I don't remember how. I think you're always it. an addict. I don't know if you're always a, a junkie or not. I think you're always an addict, I guess, even if you're sober. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Uh, but she ends up going down the, the alleyway and him being an, an addict probably kind of broke it down like pretty quickly when he hollered and she replied, it's like, okay. And reaches for the money and guess what? Money's gone. Yeah. Um, and he ends up getting an ass whooping and. Oh, does he? He's not always, having a good day. <laughs> no. I always feel like these are the shows, like these are like scenes you put together and show kids like, Hey, this is probably another good reason not to do drugs. Yeah, I think, and, and like you, I haven't had personal experience in in rehab for which I'm grateful. Nor have I had someone really close to me um, that has been th- been through that, and for that I'm grateful as well. Um, but I I feel like from what I've read, and it seems very accurate um, from what I've been told, from what I've been read and hearing it secondhand, it seems like a pretty good depiction of addiction um, and, and, and you know, what it can do to families and what it does to that person. And, you know, we, we know that Luke str- has struggled with this for 10 years, mm. you know, and, and to hear that 90 days out of the 10 years that he has struggled with his addiction – uh, that he has, that's the longest that he's been sober. And um, I think it, it, it portrayed it pretty well. I'd be interested to hear what other folks have to say if either they've been through it themselves or had a loved one and has, you know, uh, kind of more lived that experience and what it what it's like coming from that perspective. But I think it made a lot of sense when they were talking about, you know, this is why you don't. I always kind of wondered that, not having been through the experience myself of why they don't really like if you're not already in a relationship, like if you're not married and in rehab or something that you don't develop relationships during that first year they don't encourage it because of that i've always kind of been curious but it made a lot of sense to me in this episode when they kind of talked about it and he he makes a good point it's like how are you supposed to go yeah. through this without friends well especially and with I, his family not really even being there for him yeah who else does he have and in rehab or at least it seems from what i've seen from my very limited exposure um it seems some rehabs you're not even supposed to have any family contact for a while right mm. like you're supposed to like completely immerse yourself you know in the experience in rehab and devote all of your time and energy to that and not have like the distractions of family cuz family can not always be such a positive thing right yeah. i mean it could be a lot of your family issues as to maybe why you're using to begin with because you can't deal with it and I think that's what Joey says. Like sometimes your uh, your contact is your mom, kind of thing. Yeah, so exactly. it makes sense. But. Absolutely. So I think it made a lot of sense, you know, and it certainly, um, but you, you kind of see both ways. It's like, well, how, I mean, if you're at rehab, you are there, you, you live there, you're living there with all these people, you're going through the same experiences, you have the same kind of thoughts and feelings and reasons why you're there. And how can you not, you know, form deep relationships, even if it's not like a a romantic type relationship, you know, of course you're going to form friendships. And that, I think it would be really hard to draw that line, you know, um, and to not cross it over into being too dependent on that person and having your sobriety hang on, um, theirs. Um, so I don't know, I can see where that's pretty tricky to navigate. 
really felt yeah. for him in this one. Yeah, it was a tough episode for him. Like even just again, like there's a lot of like real life in some of these, and this was definitely one of those moments with him and Joey. So my number five is just Joey. That's a good one. She she's interesting, and I hope that we get to see like more of her, or at least find out maybe what happened with her. Um, maybe find out why she left uh, rehab and what happened or whatever. Cause I don't think we really know that. So it was interesting and maybe we won't, I don't know. Maybe her story with as far as Luke's story is done. I don't know. That's a good number five. I'm going to tag onto that because my number five is actually just kind of talking about Luke's ad- addiction. Um, I feel like based on how the show has laid it out for us at this point and, and what we know in in the past, Episodes that we've seen, including this one, Luke started using drugs because his hauntings never stopped. Yeah. You know, we just terrible, terrible and scary as shit. I'll say that. Um, You know, we saw many of his experiences that happened in Hill House, even in the prior episodes, like the the episode before that was Theo's episode, the experience he had in the basement alone would, I think, turn, you know, turn me to drugs. That fucking basement ghost, I mean, Jesus is got to be one of the scariest damn things I've ever seen in my life. So even that alone, that was not even a Luke-centric episode, but that is something else that's happened to him. And he's got a ghost as a as an imaginary friend. Um, and then we have this episode, you know, of his experiences and kind of getting more of a deeper dive into things that happened to him there at Hill House. And then, of course, the trauma that he went through with the rest of his siblings of losing his mom um, in the way that he did. And he was one of the youngest, the twins, you know, are the youngest of the siblings. And, you know, for that to happen, you know, at such a young age, um, was so traumatic. So, um, it's just interesting to see that that is kind of what turned him to, which I think probably makes sense. I mean, you probably kind of put that together, right? I mean, it would only make sense that out of all the siblings and everything that they've been through and either experience at the house or the traumatic experience of, of what happened with their mom, um, and and then their relationship with their dad, you know, that it kind of almost, you know, well, you throw a coin at one of them and one of them's going to be a drug addict because yeah. based oh, yeah, on yeah. You know, what's, what's well, happened, they're all messed up to some extent, right? So, when you throw it with the, the two of them, Nell and, and Luke, they're twins, so they're kind of getting double side. They're getting like double hit mm-hmm. with it. You know, if she hit gets, you know, scared or has something happen to her, then Luke feels it and then vice versa. So yeah, they're almost absolutely. getting double. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. So what they, they both kind of feel and experience what the other is. So yeah, definitely that's even more traumatic. So if something's going on with her, he's feeling that too. And that's got to be pretty tough to take on, you know, other people's feelings. Like we saw with Theo, Theo, that's why she's kind of isolated herself and wears her gloves. She isolates herself because she just can't, it's too much to handle. And she's handling, handling it clearly um, better than Luke. But in this episode, he's really embarking on that infamous fourth step, which is a fearless moral inventory. And we see that he's kind of wrestling not so much with the sins he's committed against his family. I mean, he, you know, he's done the lying and the stealing and stuff that's kind of standard behavior for an act. If you have family, you know, you, you know, there's, there's probably some of that happening and stuff. Um, but I think that what he, he really hasn't forgiven them for. And, and what we see throughout this whole episode is his family not believing him. Yeah. You know, whether it's about the ghosts and things that happened to him there at the house, like with the basement ghost, his parents didn't believe him, you know, at all. Theo believed him, even though she didn't see it. But, you know, 
his family doesn't ever believe him. And they don't believe him not only about the ghosts and experiences that he had as a kid, but also they don't really seem to have much belief that he's ever going to kick his habit. And I found that just so sad. And it's like he doesn't even want to call Steve with his news about his 90-day chip. Yeah. I mean, that's such an awesome thing for him to have achieved, that being the longest that he's gone sober in 10 years. And he can't even call Steve about it because he knows he's like, he's not going to believe me. Yeah. Because we saw uh, the interaction where it was like 30 days clean or something like that. Yeah. And Steve kind of says, like, I gave like all the cares I had, like, you've taken them all. So I have none left kind of thing. I don't know if it was cares, but basically just like, and I mean, I can understand that to an extent. Like, that's, that's got to be a tremendous amount of, stress and pain on just family members too. And yeah. when you invest so much into somebody at like some point, like, listen, I, you're just going to do this on your own now because I've spent 15 years of my life trying to help you out. And until you want to help yourself, I, I can't help you anymore. You've taken everything I've got to, to help you to this point. Right. And it, and it was heartbreaking to see, and it seems like the only one that's had faith in him was Nell. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, kind of talk about that or, you know, hear about it a little bit in this episode. We don't see, you know, Nell in the episode except for in her form when she appears in his room, like she did with some of the other siblings. But, you know, we don't get to see, haven't yet seen, I feel, that relationship with Luke and Nell except for when they're kids. I haven't seen that adult relationship just yet. I mean, we've seen it a little bit when they, you know, when they were taking him to rehab and I guess it was for the first time, I think it was in one of the episodes. Um, But we haven't really got to see a whole lot of them, which I really hope that we get to see a little bit more of that. But it seems like she's really the only thing or the only one that really believes him. And it's probably because of the twin thing. Um, You know, she can maybe feel that from him that he truly maybe wants to get better. But it's just really kind of sad you know, to, to kind of see that. And it kind of just breaks my heart, you know, for, for Luke. I think we got a little bit more because you just kind of want to write him off, right? Yeah. In the beginning, oh, yeah. it's like, oh, he's just a junkie and he's not really contributing anything and he's not really helping with the family or anything. He's just a junkie and we've kind of written him off. So, yeah. I, and before this episode, you're like, okay, I can, like, the things he's went through, I can see why he would move to some kind of pharmaceutical drug type thing to kind of, you know, kill the pain and kill the, emotions he's got to go through every time he sees a ghost. But, but yeah, you kind of learn, it's like, you, like you said, you deeper. write him off. Yeah. Yeah. It goes a little bit deeper than that. You really kind of get an understanding. I think it, at least for me, I got a little bit more of an understanding as how he, how, how he is um, and why he is. And, and I like that perspective. So that's my number five is just kind of, you know, talking about Luke's addiction a little bit specifically. I like it. Um, so this will probably be a little bit short and sweet, but it kind of ties into like nobody believing him. But mm-hmm. one thing I thought was really, really interesting was when he was at uh, Steve's, when it was Steve and his his wife were still together. And it's like, I think it was like his 30 day sobriety or something like that. Yep. He, uh, Joey talks about how Luke likes to write too. Mm-hmm. He writes a lot of short stories, writes a lot of poems and things like that. And kind of like what you're saying, where it just nobody seems to believe in him. Steve almost is taken aback by it. Like, like, are you, like, are you trying to take my gig? Like, you're you're obviously yeah. not as good as me. Like, that's my thing. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, Steve is probably is very well spoken, well written person, mm-hmm. but his claim to fame was taking the stories of his family and profiting from it, which we've talked about. Right. It's like, okay, is that is that good or bad? Mm-hmm. And um, Luke is doing the same thing. But he's doing it with his own experiences that he probably hasn't told anybody or nobody's believed him. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what that'll play is like. It just shows a little bit deeper level to Luke that he's not just some guy who's been going around around. He actually does have some talent and skills. Yeah. And so I'm really curious to see what comes of if if anything comes from that. Uh, but my number four, it's like I said, it's kind of short and sweet. I don't know if you have any input on it as well because it kind of tied back into that <sighs> dinner party where it's you know Luke's the fuck up who nobody wants to hang out with. Yeah, it will. It kind of my number four kind of ties into that a little bit. So I'll just jump into that and just kind of have a conversation with you about our number four since it kind of goes into that, not just Steve's treatment, but the family in general and maybe kind of why they are the way they are. Because uh, I feel like this show, I'm just going to start saying that, that this show so far, because this is episode four and we have 10 episodes in all. So we have a ways to go. Uh, so, but just. In the four episodes that I've seen so far, I feel like the show has such a unique way of making you sympathize with all the characters. Yeah, I agree. Because like like we were just saying, like Luke, it, so far in the first three episodes, we didn't get much from him. You just kind of just, you know, you, you want to know more, but we're not getting it. And and from what we've seen, it's so easy to write him off. Like, oh, Luke's the junkie of the family. And, you know, that's just you know, he's, that's all it is at this point, but we got so much more and it was hard to feel sympathy for him because it's like, look, we catch him in episode one, stealing an iPad and the camera, which we learn in this episode had a little bit of a different story to it, but that's how we are introduced is he looks completely strung out. Like he's needing more money for drugs and whatever. Um, and you know, so, but when Steve sees him, he's treating him like this has happened a hundred times. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's so, your first thought is like, he's, he's breaking in. He's going to get more drugs. He's cold. It's LA, I think. Right. Yes. They are so in LA. Why is he cold in LA? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, 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 it, but you said, but in this episode, like first when we, when we met Luke and from episodes one, two and three, you're just kind of like, God, Luke, you piece of shit junkie that steals from your family and look at what they've done for you. They've put you in rehab how many times they've supported you, how many times given you money and you just can't get your shit together. Yeah. You took it's a day so, pass to come to your sister's wedding high. Exactly. So it's like you, you have a, you know, a. Not that he can't be sympathetic, but you just, I feel for me, it was kind of hard to sympathize with him. But in this episode, it really turns the tables. You know, you're first feeling bad for the other siblings for what they've endured with Luke and his illness. Um, But in this episode, now you're sympathizing with Luke. And it's so easy to do so when you see how heartbreaking this episode was, especially when you see that sweet little boy that we've gotten to know in the other episodes and you see him grow up to be this way. It just breaks your, it breaks my heart. I won't speak for everyone, but it breaks my damn heart. But I see, you know, that now we're sympathizing with Luke and you can kind of see you, but I feel like I can also sympathize with Steve and the siblings because you can see why Steve was being a little bit of an asshole and, and, and see why he treated Luke the way he is. Cause you know that this is repetitive behavior. Um, and you get to a point, it's like when uh, Shirley and Theo were talking in another episode, you know, Theo's like, I'm just done with him. I cannot be around him anymore. She's gotten to the point, And I think a lot of us do when someone's so toxic in your life, sometimes you have to cut them out. Yeah. You know, to keep because they keep letting you down and they've constantly lied to you, they're stealing from you. Um, and so you can kind of justify Steve and their and the siblings' behavior a little bit when, like, when they, he does find Luke stealing his iPad and camera, he's of course 
just assuming, oh, he's looking for yeah. money for drugs. And But then you can also see it from Luke's perspective that Steve's a total asshole, that Luke needs someone to believe in him. And his family, except for Nell, has let him down every time. So it's like, it, that's what's so fascinating about this show is that it's like you can just, it makes it more real because oh, I yeah, feel I like all of us, even if you don't have someone who deals with an, some type of an addiction in their life, you know, you can kind of see, you know, their side of things. You can see your side of things, their behaviors justified, your behaviors justified. And, the, and I, I've just found this really fascinating. And, you know, it's like you were even talking about Steve was an ass for how he treated Luke when he was 30 days sober. Yeah. Um, not even willing to believe, not like, hey, bro, that's great. I'm so proud of you. 30 yeah, days, let's go 30 more. And, yeah. you know, um, he really kind of just was like, yep, been here before. You know, we know how this is going to turn out. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know, I just thought that um, his, you know, I just wanted to kind of take a closer look at not just Steve's treatment of, of, of Luke, but all the siblings, but Steve specifically, cause since he was kind of more of a focal um sibling in this other than Luke and how you can kind of see both sides and how it's kind of like this vicious circle, you know, that um, the siblings can't get behind Luke and believe in him and thinking, and it's like, they just can't get their minds around that if they believe in him a little bit, that that might be something that turns him around. Agreed. And I thought that this episode did a great job kind of even, uh, I mean, this whole series so far up to this point did a good job of kind of influencing the audience's opinion of Luke too. Yeah. Because you open this episode with him at day one of going back to rehab, and he's mm-hmm. he looks like shit and looks horrible. And then you you see thirty days, and then you see him at ninety days, which is the day around the day or so that he went and saw Steve. And like you see this guy who doesn't look like he looks like he's got normal complexion now. He looks healthy. Yep. He looks like he's kind of starting to go down the right path. You're like, holy crap, he's turned it around. Mm-hmm. And so great job editing where just they put you in the boat of like, oh, great, here we are. We're going to watch this guy do drugs and, you know, make, you know, fail people again and whatnot. And it's going to be sad and depressing. It's like, well, it's sad and depressing, but for a completely different reason. Because at this point, it's like the whole world's against this guy. I know. I know. The whole world really and supernatural world. I know. He's got everything against him. The the ghostly world and the uh yeah, the natural physical people walking around. So ugh, it's heartbreaking because you just want to shake him and go, you know, dang it, just snap out of it and look at him. He's trying and have some faith in him because sometimes that's all someone needs, you know? Anyway, that was my number four. Kind of rambled a little bit. So my number three, uh, I simply just titled Come Home. Uh, I didn't really notice it in any other episodes besides this one and then the the one at the funeral home. But whenever Luke sees his mother, her eyes make two flashes like the porch mm. light. Ugh. Oh, damn it. Yeah. That's a good pickup. So good I'm pick kind up. of curious if – if I go back and look for it at certain points in these episodes, if each child is going to see those flashing of the porch lights mm-hmm. that is basically calling them to come home. That's why I'm wondering if the next episode, that's why we see why Nell went back home because we Damn saw it. one other set in that little forever home, the porch light kind of flashed twice and it was like, Oh, time to come home. Yes. Uh, so I'm really, really curious about that. I, I, it might just be this specific to this episode. Maybe I didn't miss anything, but 
if if you go back and like you look at Steve's episode and all the other episodes and like somewhere in there there's a flashing of lights, which I feel like there was flashing lights when he was in that one house. Steve's anyway. Like uh, lightning maybe or something yeah. like that. And or we maybe- just didn't know yet. We exactly, just didn't know yeah. like to make something of that or it could have meant something at the time because exactly. we hadn't been at that episode yet. Oh, damn it. And it like might we be yeah. We could go back and watch this damn show like five more times and we're probably going to get more and more <laughs> from it every time. <laughs> but that might be a little bit of a stretch, but I'm kind of curious that like this is only the – this is the first person that's seen their mom that we know of, right? No. I um, surely not. saw surely her on the table after she had worked on Nell. She mm-hmm. saw that's her right. mom on the other gurney in uh, that room. I don't know what that room is called there in the basement of the mortuary, but – but yeah, my number three is just come home. Ugh, that that's a really good pickup. I I don't really discount too much not being connected somehow because I feel like it's it's done in a very subtle way. I think it's not a lot of in your face stuff. So I I I wouldn't discount that that that's probably connected. I like it. Damn it. I gotta, I'm going to go back. I'm never going to get out of this show. This show is just going to wrap me up, and I'm going to be watching it forever <laughs> and get something out of it every time. I'm never going to escape being scared. <clears throat> My number three is going to be pretty short and sweet because I don't want to dwell on it too long. But I was really impacted with the speech in the beginning with the soldier and the runny eggs uh, story. And I'm so glad that I was not eating runny eggs. <laughs> As the sto- and I don't know if I can eat runny eggs again, um, but I'm really glad that, glad that I wasn't eating them at the time. Uh, sorry for anyone that was and listened to that story. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that story. I thought that we've got a lot of monologuing um, in the series so far, and we've gotten lots of stories uh, from people, whether it's the siblings or whether it's a different character that talk a lot. But this one really impacted me. Um, the guy says, he says, see, the thing is, most folks don't know what happened. Uh, most folks don't know what happened to eyeballs in a fire, in the right kind of fire. They can melt like runny eggs on black skin, you know? And I mean, that fucked me up pretty bad. Um, anyway, six months later, I'm back in the States. Pretty soon, I start seeing that uh, little dead girl's face everywhere. It's in the clouds. It's in the dark, on fabric. It's fucking everywhere, you know? That little girl's charred body and melted eyes running down her cheeks. And pretty soon before I know it, I'm using again. So one night I drop a little acid and there she is. And anyone who's done that knows that that's what happens. Not that I know. I mean, it's growing out of the goddamn wallpaper, you know? I mean, and she's staring at me, eyeless even, I can tell. So I grabbed this knitting needle and all I can think about was how to make it stop. Seemed like a good idea at the time. So then I'm blind. But I mean, I like can't see anything blind, right? Thing is, I still see her. I can't see anything else. I see her. Crispy kid with the runny egg eyes. It was so impactful. That dude, I don't know the actor's name, but I give him all the kudos in the world for, I mean, getting that story at the very beginning uh, really held me and grabbed my attention. And I felt... um, very sympathetic towards that character for having gone through something so traumatic in his life that yes, he was on drugs when he did it and was not in the right state of mind, but feeling like the only way that he was never not going to see that again was to make it what was like to blind himself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then he still, that, yeah. and then still sees it. And I feel like that's, it just really impacts me, I guess, because I, you know, he's a vet and I feel like vets, that when they come home, so many suffer from PTSD and I feel like so many don't get the help 
that they need. And so many terrible tragedies happen because they don't get mm. the help that they need and not enough attention is paid. And maybe I don't, and I don't know, I don't have a solution. I do not have an answer to this problem, but I just, whatever it is, I feel like more needs to be done to see warning signs and to reach out and to do things to help people who go through these types of things in, in, in their life in war and have to do the things that they do and see the things that they see. And then they go on drugs and then they blind themselves because of something that they can't stop seeing. Um, I just feel like more needs to be done. So maybe that's why it was maybe a little bit more impactful because I'm, um, I have lots of people in my family that um, are vets and are currently either still serving or currently served at one time. So maybe that's why it made an impact on me, but I just, it really drew me. I thought it was a very impactful story. And uh, I just wanted to kind of mention it because I thought it, it, kind of also goes with the whole theme as well that we see a lot through through this show, which I'll talk about again um, further up in my list. But I just wanted to, what did you think about that? Did it did it grip you? It was, I mean, super impactful. I mean, you have the story of a guy talking about, I mean, it definitely kind of was the same thing like with Luke. Like Luke's trying to get away from this experiences that he had. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe this, you know, whenever like I complain about things, it's like, well, I mean, I don't really have it that bad. Yeah. And so you wonder if Luke's sitting there and he's like, he's hearing this horrific story of what this guy went through and the, what he did to his own eyes. And you know, he still sees it. And then the counselor's like, oh, well, would you like to go next, Luke? And he's like, <laughs> you mean follow that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought I saw a ghost when I was a kid and it made me do drugs. Um, yeah, right. poor me. Um, but that kind of ties into my my two a little bit more. So uh, mine was the 90-day speech. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting when he's going through this 90-day speech, he starts kind of talking a lot about, like you said, you know, 10 years, 90 days clean. Um, the steps that he was going on with, like, kind of going back over the stuff that he did to people's kind of where he always goes back to relapsing. And even at this point, it was extremely against him to relapse. I mean, mm-hmm. not only did he – the the person he kind of created a relationship with left, his brothers and family – aren't checking on him or care about him. He goes out, he's sitting there, he's seeing all of these people basically do, or he's at least able to identify the ones that are buying and selling drugs. So he Mm -hmm. knows how to get it, knows where to get it. Uh, He goes and steals money so he could easily buy it then. Joey, when he finds her, has some honor, I believe. And even to the point where she leaves him and he gets mugged and like he has got to be pushed to the brink of being like, fuck this. I'm just going to go back to the lifestyle I was living and mm-hmm. just try to forget anything and everything. But he fights it and does an extremely great job fighting it. And even to the point where like he's freezing to death because of what I think is the twin thing. Like he, at the very end of this, he talks about being cold and stiff. Uh-huh. And to me, that's him feeling Nell dying or dead. Yep. And to go even a step further, like, if if you're on the brink, all these things happen to you just in a normal day life where you're trying to, you know, not be a junkie anymore. You're trying to, you know, you're an addict, of course, still, but you're trying to keep clean. Now, add on top of that, this ghost that you saw in your house when you were four is <laughs> floating around with his back to you now. Oh, yes. Like, fuck that. And, uh, and we figure out, like, he starts counting, like, seven every time. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is... Like, I don't know what this is, if it's a tick or what it is, but he's probably going to relapse. Like, you want to reach the TV and help him, but you learn that's him putting up a shield around himself to fight these things off. Yes. So, 
again, this the show, like as he's given this inspirational 90 day speech, we get to see him getting mugged and the shit kicked out of him. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad he didn't relapse. Like the the interaction he had when his brother showed up, like he was like in tears, like I I I did like I feel like I'm coming down, but I swear to God I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And like how messed up that would be that you would be in that situation and just very, very unfair to this kid. Like this is a life that just is super unfair. But uh but yeah, my number two is just kind of that ninety day speech. That was such a heartbreaking speech. We got really great speeches both from from the vet in the beginning and then Luke's ninety day speech. It just I think I I'll just admit, yeah, I probably cried a little bit um, <laughs> during Luke's speech because my heart just break just continuously throughout this whole episode just broke so much for him. And what really broke my heart is, is as you mentioned, he's doing all of this for his friend Joey. Now, whether or not to him, you know, they can't have a romantic relationship while they're in rehab, but is it going that way? I have no idea. So whether or not for him, it's just, hey, this is my really good friend that I care about, but she stuck with him and believed in him and and i think with that is what kind of helped carry him to get to that 90 days and then because of how much she supported him and believed in him which is the belief that he needed from his own family you saw the links that he went to for Joey someone he knew just a short time and the links that he was willing to go through he put himself in the middle of of junkie town where he could have easily scored and been tempted. I mean, he's only 90 days out. That's still yeah, that's pretty damn fragile, man. I mean, when you're talking sobriety, that's you're still I mean, I know it's hard whether it's 90 days or 5 years or 10 years, but you know, 90 days is still pretty damn fresh. And so to to put yourself in the middle of all that and have the faith that you can like resist going and just getting some drugs because you're right there in front of it, but the fact that you can hold out, you're on a mission, you know, you're on you're there to to help find your friend who has believed in you so you want to return that so it really breaks my heart to see that this is who Luke can be if he had the right support for his family and then he he would go to those same lengths for his family if they would only believe in him like Joey does so that really breaks my heart that he has to kind of outsource this and that he has to direct all of that energy and love and faith into someone else that's given it to him because his family doesn't Um, and it just makes the story all that more heartbreaking, but it was a damn good speech from mm-hmm. Luke there at the end. So sad. Oh, that was so good. That's a, such a good number two. I like it. Well, that number two kind of goes into my number two, which is the theme of real life trauma that we keep getting over and over again, uh, which I like. I'm not complaining about it, but it's just something I, I pick up on that we're continuously getting. So we got in this episode, The Blind Guy in rehab super heartbreaking and sad but it's real life trauma that we see in the series um that we're getting a lot of last episode it was a little girl that was molested by her foster family that was the most evil scary thing more so than the ghosts that we've seen um throughout um and uh, i don't know yet i'm trying to I don't know if I, I'm just kind of on the fence and I don't know what I should believe. I know we're only four episodes in. I don't know if we'll ever know, but I'm kind of struggling yet. If the hauntings that the kids experienced at Hill House are like some type of manifestation based on something that happened to them. Um, but I, I kind of hope not because I, I, I want the house to be haunted. I mean, yeah. 
I want it to be haunted because I think it's kind of cheap to go the other route. I think there's enough weirdness and we've seen the hidden ghosts and things in the background, things that happen. I mean, if you take it outside the fact of the the basement ghost that's in front of your face, the ghost, the creepy bowler hat ghost in this episode um, that will make me never sleep again. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's enough creepy weirdness in, in this house that's happened that you can justify that it probably really is haunted and I want it to be haunted. But I also feel like with what we keep getting over and over week to week that there's just something that happened that maybe has amplified the experience for the kids in yeah. this creepy haunted house that maybe it's made it worse. I don't know, but I don't know. I just, I feel like we, we keep getting this and I don't know where it's going or if we'll get an answer, but I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? I think we talked about that a little bit last episode, but yeah, if it's, you know, like you try to think like, was it, you know, did the dad do something to the family? Um, mm-hmm. Was it, it's cause I mean, he, in the first episode we see, he's kind of visited by some type of ghost. It looks like, Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, like you could, you could definitely make this a very psychological thing that that's what he's made himself to believe to hide all the bad things that he either did or happened to the family in the, the house. Um, is it, would it be cheap to do that? I, I think so. Uh, I, I don't know if, if that's how it ended, if I'd be happy with it. Um, I'm sure there's a way you could do it right that you're like, okay, that was kind of clever, but, um, definitely leaves a lot of room for like, okay, well, why, why there's so many ghosts type of things. Yeah, um, and again, like there's so much realness in this show. Um, when you're looking at all the characters, that you kind of could believe that would be the case. Although there is some supernatural with the the daughters all having like the gift to feel each other and uh, yeah. or to feel different things, and then even like the twin thing, like that. If if it was just him and them, like having like, oh, well, I feel I feel weird, like something's weird with Nell, but like he was full on like freak out mode. Yeah, and I think to actually have that be something, it would have to be supernatural, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. um, I, like I said, I'm I'm excited to get through the series because these episodes are set up very much like what I like. I like um, vignette style episodes. Yeah, where you kind of focus on just like individual stories, and that's what we're getting here. So I'm really really digging that. So I this has know. been. Probably Black Mirror, Stranger Things, maybe to an extent, but this would probably be between those two somewhere where I just mm-hmm. want to keep going to next. I know. It's hard to, to – it's kind of nice in a way because you can kind of process and absorb and think about because there's so much in, in an episode to take in and to dissect. But at the same time, it's like it's like I just want to binge it one time all the way through yeah. and then you know get there and then come back and you know kind of – ponder and rewatch it and stuff, but it's okay. Um, we're getting ready to change that soon anyway. I'm sure we'll probably announce it later in the, <laughs> in the, in the podcast, but uh, we're getting ready to get to that. So that's, that's some good thoughts. What is your number one? So my number one, uh, I'm guessing it probably is going to be your number one, <laughs> uh, but it is the floating man. Uh, ah. So right oh. away we find this hat, and again, like whenever like there's old stuff, like a, things that get passed around, I'm like, oh man, do you really want to mess with that? Nope. And that night you hear a thump, thump, thump. I still and hear it. Yeah. Doors opening <laughs> and like, oh my God, like the kid like sees it and mm. is like, fuck that. Runs in his room, 
hides under his bed. The only thing that would make this more fucked up is if he turned around in his room and like the bent neck lady was there. Like, double fuck this kid. But he Jesus. hides under the bed, holds his breath. He thinks he's safe, lets it out. We don't even really get a full view of the the floating man. We just see him flip his big, like, bony fingers reaching under the bed, oh flips it open with his hat on. And again, like, a lot of the characters, we haven't seen them haunted too much outside of the house. Mm-hmm. But we see the floating man with his back to Luke in the, you know, the junkie park. And he starts like floating back up to him back to back as he does his counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And he stops. Starts coming closer. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Stops. <sighs> and then all of a sudden at some point, counting doesn't work. And this reminds me of a dream I had. So when I was a kid, I was extremely scared of Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. And I had a dream very vividly in my old house. I was living in the house at the time, but the basement was on the other side. And I was always scared of our basement just because it was a basement. I was a kid. And so I went to the bottom of the steps and it was pitch black and I heard Freddy Krueger laughing, but like I had figured out like, oh, I can wake myself up. I know how to wake myself up. Mm -hmm. And so I walked down there almost to not really intimidate him or anything, but to kind of show like I'm a, I'm a tough kid. I can handle this. I can wake myself up. So I walk down the steps and I'm sitting down there and I hear him laughing and doing his thing. And I close my eyes. I, I think I have my eyes open and uh, I said something like, oh, I'm not scared of you because I can wake myself up. And so I close my eyes to do the thing that wakes myself up. And in my dream, I can't wake up. Oh, and no. I open my <laughs> eyes and guess who's standing there staring at me? With his big razor-like claws. Yeah. <laughs> that dream has stuck with me. But that's like what this is like. Oh, I've got a thing that works. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. And at some point, it didn't work. And we did an episode. Uh, if you like creepy, go back to the Language of Bromance Broloween episode from this year. It's like it was released in October something. Um, it's like 226, I think, or 227. We had an actual paranormal investigator on our show uh, Jason is his name, not our Jason, but a different Jason. Mm-hmm. And he talks about something that reminded me exactly of this because he had a, a situation where he felt like there's a presence in his room. And whenever he's been on an investigation or feels this, he like thinks of a, a white light enveloping him and he starts pushing it out. And he doesn't know if that actually is doing anything or not, but he says it always makes him feel better. But in this specific situation, whenever he did it, mm-hmm. it would work for a second, but then it would like the presence would come back. Oh God. And that's the gist I got with this is like he his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, it works until it doesn't. And then you're kind of like, okay, I don't understand why it worked in the first place. Now it's not working. Now what do I do? Do I count to fourteen? Will that work? No kidding. Yeah, it, it that would be terrible to have uh, something like that that you can rely on and depend on to keep you safe and uh, you know, feel like something is enveloping you and keeping that distance and then to find that it's not working would be completely terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it would that, that damn ghost. I, I'd have to say probably so far out of the ghost, that damn basement ghost still probably creeps me out. But yeah. this bowler hat guy was definitely up there because that was very shocking to me when Luke hears that noise in the hallway, the tapping of that cane, um, and not knowing what it is, so he gets up to investigate, opens the door, and and 
it's just there. It's yeah. like, oh fuck. It's like well, this you just don't like, expect to see something really. You do you do, but then when yeah. you do, you're still scared and shocked. But it seems like Luke is the only one so far that we've seen it has like seeing these things like for long periods of time. There's the basement ghost that grabbed him. There's yeah. Abigail who he talks to. And then there's the the floating ghost. So it seems like he's the one that kind of like sees these things more vividly. Everybody he, he, else may be like in but like it's flashes of her sounds, but he's like interacted with these things that we yeah. know of first. Well, yeah, he does. It does seem if you, I guess, add up the experiences that we know and have seen, it's probably Luke. But we do know uh, Bitneck Lady does visit. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, Nell quite a lot. I don't know if maybe that's a twin thing. I don't know. Um, that she also sees. The bent neck lady, she talks about like all the time and her parents reference it to like, oh, bent neck lady again. When they ask her, you know, she's had a nightmare like this is apparently happening like nearly every night that she's being visited by her and being tormented by her and that she sees her. But Luke does have the best friend, Abigail, a little dead girl in a blue dress in the garden. He has had the experience with the basement ghost and then this bowler hat ghost. Um, so those are the ones that we know of. It seems he's had more. Yes. Vivid. Um, yes. Has been touched and assaulted by a ghost because it tore his shirt and like tried to grab him, do something with him. I don't know what its intention was, but it was doing something to him, which sounds completely horrible. Um, Cause it's enough to see it, but for one to like actually physically touch you or attack you, just see. Well, like, we don't know. I've got the sense that it drug him and somehow he ended back up in the thing. That's what I, that's the sense I've got. Oh, Jesus. I'm not going to fucking sleep tonight. <laughs> I can tell already. I have goosebumps on top of my goosebumps right now. I just cannot deal with this damn show. It is scaring the shit out of me. That was pretty damn creepy and it was pretty damn shocking. It's kind of like you knew something was going to be there, but then for it to be there. And Luke lingered way too damn long in that doorway. I would have been like, oh, yeah. And like slam the door. I wouldn't have been as quiet as what he was. Um, well, it all comes back to that. Like whenever you get scared, you look at it and you try to scream, but you just look at it like an idiot. Like it's I feel true. like that's a theme of this whole thing. And I, ah, man, I've I'm, if I, if there's a fight or flight, I'm a flight person. And I've got a story because I came around a corner one day. And my wife put a three foot <laughs> toy Ninja Turtle in our hallway that you cut down. It was dark and I saw it. And it was like the height of like the leprechaun. I probably jumped 10 feet, screamed, ran all the way down the hallway back to where I came from. And it triggered in my head. I'm like, that was a fucking Ninja Turtle toy chest. And in the kitchen, my wife is just laughing. Oh, I love your wife. That's hilarious. Look, I thought you would like it. I'm like, I do, but maybe a little bit of a heads up would have been nice. Oh, my God. That's cracking me up. But yeah, Ugh. my number one is just the floating man, the floating I ghost man. Didn't didn't like it. Didn't like it. Um, I mean, I liked it because it scared the shit out of me, and I do like to be. I like to be scared when it's on TV. When it's in real life, I don't appreciate it so much. I like it when I can control it because I can turn off my TV and turn something happy on and get me out of that mood. Oh my god, good ghost this week. That's for sure. Well, my number one uh, was not the bowler hat guy. He's definitely makes an impact and he's in my notes, but I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the twin thing um, because you mentioned it earlier 
Um, Luke woke up very similar to the other siblings. They all kind of remember, they all kind of jolted up out of bed um, at like the same time. And it seems to indicate that's when something happened to Nell mm-hmm. and when she died, probably. Luke is clearly feeling that more in this episode than what anyone else has. Um, you can see how it does affect him, and it is due to that psychic con- connection. I don't have a twin. I don't have twins in my family. I haven't been able to like really talk to anybody about... I've heard stories and you read things, but as like as me talking to people or having a firsthand experience, I don't know, but I've always kind of heard of how, you know, twins just kind of can sense things about each other. Like they know if they're sad or upset or something like that. So I thought it was really kind of interesting to kind of take a deeper dive in, in, or that I guess the, the powers that be um, in the show took a little bit of a deeper dive. Cause it makes sense. You know, we've, we've all heard stories about twins, you know, kind of sharing um, a, a special bond and, um, so I thought it was kind of cool that they went this way, but this one kind of went, went a little bit deeper. We know that there's some some special things in this family. The females in the family seem to to be more sensitive and have different types of gifts. Um, but Luke, you know, kind of shares this with Nell, and his his he you can see him. He wakes up. He's rubbing his neck when he gets up. Mm-hmm. Um, his legs are stiff. He's very cold and he keeps rubbing his neck all throughout the episode. Like he keeps just like, what the hell is going on? And he even says something to Joey. Like, I think I slept on her wrong, you know, don't know what's going on. But I'm, you know, he, he talks about being cold and, um, very stiff and it's got him. So like he did get the shit beat out of him for sure, but he is like, so distressed. It's like, I feel like he, he's, I mean, Nell's dead. He doesn't know it yet, but that's what I think he's feeling. Like, not only did he wake up when it happened, as all the siblings did, but he actually feels it because we know that they are feeling what the other feels. When they were little, Nellie was able to pick up on Luke's feelings, like when he was happy or when he was scared. Because she, she's like, no, you're scared. And he's like, how do you know? And she says, because I'm scared. Yeah. Um, or when he was happy, when, when he got the... Um, that hat, uh, the, when his mom uh, had found the bowler hat and his dad lets him have it. And, you know, she's like, no, he's happy. And he's, she's like, well, how do you know? And she's like, it's a twin thing, you know? Yeah. So she can feel what he's feeling. He can feel what she's feeling. And so that's, we know she's dead. He doesn't know, but I feel like it's pretty clear. That's what he's feeling. And I think how terrible that must be. And you can see how that has weighed on him. Like he looks strung out. Um, and that's what he was telling Steve there at the end. I thought that was kind of interesting. Cause you know, you were talking about that dinner that they had with Steve uh, when he was 30 days out and he's like, you know, she went through it with me talking about Joey. Like, do you know what it's like to go through withdrawal? And he was talking yeah. about the chills and the shakes and how terrible withdrawal um, or going through that is. And, that's essentially kind of like what he was going through. It's like those same, it was for a different reason, but it was kind of those same kind of feelings. He's like, dude, it feels oh, like shoot. I'm going through withdrawal, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm sober. Remember when he tells Steve there at that very end. I, uh, I was thinking it was like him experiencing her death, but yeah. Was it like twin withdrawal? Like Maybe, whatever connection they had, they were kind of feeding off of it. Now that that's gone, his, the yeah. only way his body knows to react is like, like a withdrawal. Yeah, I think it could be like a twofold thing. Hmm. Like he is a, a feeling what she's feeling, which is death, but also he's lost his twin. 
And, Interesting. You know, that's kind of bigger than just losing a sibling. I feel like that there's that strong connection that twins have. So I don't know. I just thought that that was kind of interesting and sad. Very sad. But that was my number one. I like it. That's a really good number one. Yeah. Do you have any notes? Um, no, we kind of touched on everything from my note wise. Um, so I'm curious to see what, what notes you have. Um, just a couple. So in this episode, we got, we, we kind of learned about Liv's power. She talked to Theo about it and she talks about, you know, how her grandmother did and she does. And, and now with Theo, uh, but this episode was interesting because we actually kind of got a demonstration of her power. And that's when she took that old shawl out of the box and she wrapped it around her and she kind of gets this look on her face, this lit up look on her face. And she was telling um, Hugh about what she saw in the room. She's like, I feel like I'm having deja vu. And she starts describing what she sees in the room. And it was very specific. So it wasn't like just a feeling like she, it was almost like it took her to that place Mm -hmm. and she can like, she's sitting there and that's exactly what she sees. And it's, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I won't go into detail about everything. Y'all can watch the episode and know what she said, but I, I thought that it was cool that we get a little peek of that. It's not always kind of in your face that, she has this or whatever, but it's kind of like a reminder. And, and so we, we learn about it. Now we're seeing a demonstration. What are we going to get the next time? Are we going to get a little bit more? Um, cause we're only in episode four. So I thought that was kind of cool that we get that little reminder and we get a little bit more of it. Um, but then going into that, she got that feeling from the shawl and we know that she gets like feelings from things. Um, did she sense, do you think something from that bowler hat? When she when she had it because she picked it up Ooh, and she yeah. was she was hesitant to let Luke have it. I feel I got that's what I got from that Maybe. little scene was you know she because she was excited to give Nellie the buttons. Remember the mm-hmm. little uh, tin of buttons that she found and she thought that was great. So, but I wonder when she picked up that bowler hat, it seemed like something just very subtle came across her face yeah. and she was very hesitant to let Luke have it and he was so excited about it and Hugh was like, oh sure, just let him have it and she's kind of like okay you know just like well we'll see where this goes and then he gets it and then here we have the creepy tall ghost he's like that's my fucking hat what are you yeah (laughs) little bastard quit taking my hat just stay on your ninja turtle pillow i'm not taking your ninja turtle pillow little bastard coming into my house Exactly. He just wants his hat back. He's he's completely innocent. People are just taking this the wrong way. He was going from room to room well, looking for his bowler hat. Yeah, and what he was looking like, he heard him like sigh under the bed. And, like we cut it, but what he did is he opened. I saw the extended edition of this. He opened the things like, "Hey, have you seen my bowling shoes too? Did you take those too?" <laughs> like I can't walk on the ground until I have my bowling shoes. That's why I'm Ugh. floating. Ugh, that was creepy. That was Ugh. a really good little touch. Yeah. You know, that damn ghost. He's literally, you can see his damn feet hovering yes. off the ground. I just, love that. Ugh. Oh, and it's like, it's vivid too. Like, I love that these ghosts that are like in this, they're like real looking. They're not like misty or kind of like wafty. It's like, yeah, these are form. real entities. Yeah. Yeah. Which any kind of like sound at night, I hate. Our, fuck, our house right now, we've got like a security system mm-hmm. and a battery's dead somewhere. I don't know where or how to fix it. But every like 16 <laughs> hours, our chimer just starts beeping incessantly. And we have to go off and press the star button. So like 11 o'clock at night, I'm just about to pass out. I just hear beep, 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 Oh, God. Yeah. Like, fuck. Don't be a, I'd rather be the ghost because he's only going thump, 
Thump. No. At least I, it's got a beat to it. No, I do. Well, at least that you can explain that, you know, it's your alarm system. Yeah, it's yeah. not some, you know, uh, something falling in the house. Something's fallen off the wall, a picture That's or something's true. fallen off of a cabinet or a noise on the floor. Um, but you have dogs. I have dogs. You have dogs. Do they ever do anything weird, like stare at something in the corner of a room, but there's nothing there or oh. do anything weird or bark at something that you don't see or hear and yeah, it freaks you out. They are great at barking at stuff that isn't there and then freaks the shit out. of you. So like our front door is like, it's like a pretty big glass window. Mm-hmm. So and it's right into our living room. So they'll just like start barking at it, but they'll see the reflection of the TV into it or something like that. But they're like, stop fucking barking because your heart's racing and you're scared and you're pissed off but then you're like oh god what if there is somebody out there yeah and i've got a 120 pound american bulldog and when he goes <laughs> to that front door and puts his paws on it like he stands like five <laughs> five six like nobody's fucking with that dog yes i love bulldogs are so darn cute oh yeah um, he's been mopey tonight i don't know what his deal is it's seasonal depression it's well, the yeah, i get that winter Fucking winter, no sun, no like, cold weather pisses me off. I know I've been uh, I've been a grumpy ass. For anybody that listens to this that knows me personally, I apologize for my behavior because I'm an I'm an asshole during this season. <laughs> I am too. I've noticed that myself. I need to get you and my wife like together to talk about it and be like, listen, yeah. let's just move to Hawaii. You two let's, get it figured out. We'll podcast in Hawaii. I am all be about all that. For that. I am all about that, and I'm 100% behind that idea as well. I need to move somewhere, not only in a warmer climate, because no matter where I'm at, if I'm cold, I'm pissy. Um, (laughs) If there is not a lot of sunshine, it's okay in the summer because I know it's probably going to come back tomorrow, but I know in the fall and winter, it's just fucking gone. And that pisses me off because I like sunshine, but so does everyone, but... Guess what? I just got off work and it's pitch black. Hooray. Exactly. Well, and right now for us, even if, um, you know, it's daytime, the fucking sun is gone. It's so damn yeah. gray and gloomy. Oh, Ugh. yeah. It's just fucking depressing and it makes me a cranky ass. So I apologize <laughs> if anybody that knows me. Um, and if you do know me, you know that I am that way. But I just, I thought that was interesting just to talk a little bit about Liv and um, if she picked up anything from the bowler hat. Because to me, she had that sense of hesitation. Like she... It was very subtle, that look that came across her face when she picked it up, um, and just her hesitation, I felt, in giving it to to Luke. Because, you know, there are people that believe, um, and I can kind of get behind it, too, that there's energy in things. Like, Yeah, I can believe that. You know, old items, antiques, or something that meant something to someone and they've passed, that there can be an energy to a room or a place or sometimes in certain things. Um, I think it can get overblown, um, but I, I can get behind that potential. So just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, the question about what happened to his friend Joey, why did she run from the facility and where the hell did she go um, is kind of some outstanding questions that yeah. I have. I guess it was kind of a note. So did you catch the tone that she kind of like flipped when they were talking about him writing down his things for his next stage? Yes, it's right he, here in my notes, Betty. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> and he talked about like, oh, maybe I should talk about how I lived in a haunted house. And she kind of like, that's when her demeanor changed. Yeah. Now, again, maybe her haunting wasn't like a real life haunting. Maybe it was more of a, hey, I was in a really bad situation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I kind of wonder if that was it triggered something that kind of pushed her to to relapse. 
Yeah, because she was very. That's what that's what was in my notes. Is she was really really quiet when Luke was talking about being stuck on the fourth step because he was kind of talking about you know well I've done some really shitty things to my family you know I've stolen from them I've lied to them I've put them through hell for all these years and she's like yeah well you know we've all done some some pretty bad things and she's just kind of like where she it's just paraphrasing there but um, she kind of left it you know, there. So yeah. I, and then, then the next morning she was gone. So it kind of makes you wonder, did, you know, I don't know why she left, but did that, is that, you know, kind of what was behind it a little bit. So I don't know if we'll get those um, answered or not, but just some questions that I had. Um, let's see the bowler hat ghost. I was just like, Nope, that, that was, I was done with that. Um, well, I've got notes here. This is the buttons down on the phone thing. What, was there something I feel like I haven't watched this episode in a couple remember. of days, so I know he used the buttons to represent the seven for each of the family members, but I don't remember them by the phone. I don't know what that note is for, so just disregard that. Pretend I didn't say anything there, folks. Um Oh, what do you think happened after Luke? So Luke's under the bed, he screams when that damn ghost lifts up the sheet and it cuts. What do you think happened after? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean that's Again, like, what happened with the ghost in the basement if, like, his parents didn't come down? Like, it's true, yeah. A lot of times the things I think, like, most ghosts, like, whenever you hear things, like, they can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. But, like, in this situation, Luke's had two ghosts potentially physically assault him. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, did he scream and his sister woke up? Then did she see it? Did the dad come in and... Right, yeah, uh, did Nellie wake up and, and was the thing gone? Yeah. You know, or I'm just curious as to because that he screamed. I think I screamed the same pitch as Luke did. Yes, that's oh, yeah. <laughs> if that happened, that's the octave I would reach. Well, I was just watching this show and I got to that point. I was like, ah! <laughs> screamed just as loud. My dogs, God love them for they're like, you fucking crazy lady, stop watching this goddamn show so we can get some peace at night. <laughs> Why are you watching this shit? Um, Again, with they had really cool segues between the decades. Uh, I always like to point that out because I love it. I think they do it so brilliant, mm. brilliantly in this episode. So when the dogs are barking, when Luke was in the park, yeah. um, in the junkie park, and then it jumps to uh, young Luke in bed that gets woken up by the dogs that they keep hearing at night. And again, what's up with those damn dogs? Only the kids can hear them. Yep. And they keep getting woken up by them. And then it's like they get woken up by them and something bad happens or terrible happens or something. It's so far anyway, I feel like that's what it kind of, what I'm getting from it. And what the, you know, even um, the Dudleys are like, what dogs? We don't hear yeah, any dogs. No the parents dogs don't the hear property. any dogs, but the, but the kids do. So it's like, what's up with those damn dogs? Um, it's just freaky. And, yeah, so I I like that. That's all my notes that I have. Good notes. I like it. Oh, okay. So with that, um, the news portion of the show is going to be, again, our popular segment, and that is the hidden ghosts of this episode. We'll see if you guys uh, found the same ghost. Did you find ghosts uh, that weren't mentioned on the list. If you don't already know, I know there was a lot of interest in um, me providing this list that I'm getting this from. So I did put that on our uh, Facebook page um, and that was on Twitter as well. If you want to look that up from about a week or so ago, I did share the link if you want to look 
at these hidden ghosts because they do provide some screenshots if you want to be scared all over again <laughs> looking at the screenshots. So the first one that we have this week is the man behind the chair. Um, so we saw a man behind a lamp an episode or two ago when uh, Hugh was running with young Luke and young Nellie down the hallway and there was a creepy ghost standing just behind this lamp and all you could see was his face. He kind of looks very similar in this episode as well. Uh, we can't see his head so it's kind of hard to tell but there's a figure behind the chair in the room behind Luke and Nell just over eight minutes in this excellent episode and he's kind of standing um, just as they always do kind of in the background he's kind of on the right side a little bit so go look for him um, the next one is the blonde woman in the hall. When Hugh and Olivia are having their nice little moment as they dream of their perfect home, which they, which most definitely is not Hill House, um, take a look and see if you see a blonde figure uh, by the window. Um, and this is as uh, Hugh and Olivia are standing in, uh, I don't know if that's a library, whatever it was, where she was having her deja vu moment. If you look past that down the hallway, there's a blonde woman standing there. Don't think she's supposed to be there. Get out of the shot, Linda. Ugh. That's that's actually be the best thing with the show. Like if so, like a be hilarious intern accidentally gets in the shot, you're like, ah, fuck it. They'll think it's a ghost. Someone stand. Yeah, that's. I think there's been speculation and some jokes about that. Like, oh, that asshole standing in the damn frame. Oh, it's okay. We're gonna have him as a <laughs> hidden ghost. It totally works. Everybody just have- has to dress in like '60s or fit like old style outfits, just right. in case. You got to have the period clothes on. That's for sure. Just in case <laughs> that happens. Um, this one was really disturbing when I saw it. I totally missed it. Um, so I'm glad that this was pointed out to me, um, cause I missed it whenever I was watching the show, even, uh, three times. I watched this episode three times. This is during the time when Luke and Nellie are in the kitchen there at Hill House and they're having their little, uh, discussion about, um, oh, it's that, that little telephone thingy. Um, oh, oh yeah. Oh So they're yeah. in the kitchen. So They're in the kitchen and they are on the right side of the screen. If you look all the way to the left where the the glass doors are. Um, So this one is a tough, even if you pause it. So as Nell and Luke are getting coins stuck in the communication system, that phone thing in the house, there's a face looking back at them in the glass cabinet across the kitchen. And this is a really good screenshot. I wish that I could like show this to you. So I hope you guys click that link and follow it and see and catch these in case you can't pause it as you're watching it because they can be kind of hard to to pause but that one is pretty damn it's a pretty clear face um and and kind of disturbing <laughs> um i did find one that was not in the article uh when luke is running down the stairs he is like running for his life um you get a shot of him running down the stairs. If you look to the right in the back, like entryway, there are two ghosts tucked behind the stairs in the archway. And it, it seems was like you always see a couple there. Yeah, I think we've seen them before, and and those two are there again. It's not mentioned. I think it was maybe too obvious. But when they were talking on that telephone thing, did you mm-hmm. see the old lady ghost in the yes. reflection? I, I didn't include that in my hidden ghost because I think most people probably saw that it. One, yeah. If you, if you were watching and paying attention, if you're not looking at your phone, yeah. you know, and you're not distracted, if you were into the episode, I didn't that include one seemed that a one. a bit too on the nose, but I thought I'd mention it just in case. It's totally worth mentioning because it was creepy as fuck. Yes, it was. That one made me kind of say out loud like, oh, fuck. 
Yeah, that was because I was looking, I, I think I was looking more at Luke's reflection because it's like his reflection is on yeah. the left side of that um, thing. I'm calling it a phone. I know it's not a phone. It's like an old-fashioned intercom system that people have in their house, but it looks like a goddamn phone. Um, I was kind of saw his reflection, and it was very just creepy as how that the forms of that thing took the form of this creepy old lady that kept saying Clara. She kept calling for Clara when they were when the they were downstairs and Luke and Nellie were like, is somebody else up there? And she's like, well who? because um, they were you know, the the coins weren't going through um and then or the buttons, sorry. And uh they heard that voice going, Clara like, nope, nope. <laughs> Burning the house down, kids. I've seen and heard way too much. I don't need that in my life at all. But anyway, those are all of the hidden ghosts that I have for this week. I'd be interested if um you guys found any others um that that uh we haven't mentioned for this week. Can't wait for next week, I think. Like it. Good stuff. Yeah. And so next segment is messages from the room beyond the red door. It's our listener feedback portion. Why don't you take this one, Sean? All right. So our first one comes from Pake Allen. So such a heavy episode. The scene with little Luke under the bed hiding from floaty bowler hat slender man was capital C creepy. <laughs> Luke has been so traumatized his whole life. And now the one person who truly got him is gone. And he's already feeling it before he even knew. I really hope he's able to lean on his family and doesn't wind up with the same fate as his sister. No kidding. I went, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Luke here for mm-hmm. sure. <clears throat> Next one is from Doug Fick. Uh, he says, Luke saying it is a twin thing tells me he felt his sister's death and then her body temperature lower as well as her rigor mortis set in. Perhaps the house can feel everyone's weaknesses and praise upon that until it gets what it wants. I'm not sure what the bowler hat man is wanting from Luke other than his hat back. I had to put on the subtitles at the end to tell what Steven says to Luke about Nell's death. Then I got it. He said it was suicide and Luke says, no, it wasn't. So a ghost may have killed Nell. Notice when Joey kisses Luke, you can see her hand slide down his hip and take the money. Not cool, Joey, not cool. (laughs) I am hooked like Luke on smack with this. One. <laughs> try the try the diaper thing, everyone, and let me know how that works out. <laughs> Doug has been claiming to be using a, a, a diaper as he's watching these shows because he <laughs> claims he's pissing his pants. That top. was a good call, though. I, we probably should have mentioned it, but when uh, when Steve does say, "Hey, mm-hmm. you know, it was suicide," and he's like, "No, it wasn't." Like that's what that's what we've been left with, right? You're like, what the fuck was it then? I, mean, I know that's, that's what I think we're probably going to find out next episode. Yeah, it's thanks for pointing that out, Doug, because we did not mention that earlier, and we probably should have that. Um, that is kind of because we don't really know. We don't even mm. really know what her injuries are. We can only speculate that you know, Steve, uh, Stephen, Luke keeps rubbing his neck, which just you know, looking at Nell and the state that she was in when she arrived there at the funeral home. Uh, we can just presume that that's an injury that she has, um, but we don't know anything. So, so yeah, that is very telling. And you know what the hell was it? Because I think if anybody would be able to know, it would be Luke mm-hmm. with that connection that they have. Thanks, Doug. Our next one comes from Lindsay Slitch. Uh, every episode is great, but honestly, I didn't love this one. 
It was a little slow for me. The scares didn't really get to me, and I don't really enjoy watching junkies screw over their families and loved ones. I hate seeing poor Luke in such a bad spot. All in all, my least favorite episode of the season, although still enjoyable for the most part. Took your advice and watched Hush over the weekend. Great movie. I loved it. Kate Siegel did a great job, especially considering she had absolutely no dialogue. Rima, my curiosity about your own real-life ghost experiences has me so intrigued. I'm so (laughs) curious. I've never had an experience myself, which is good because I'm pretty sure I'd legit die of fright. But I love hearing other people's experiences. I hope someday you'll share. (laughs) I I feel like if you're going to share that, Rima, that might have to be a Broloween exclusive. If you ever want to share it. But I'm not going to – that's stuff I don't like to push people to because I know people have had experiences like, I don't want to talk about it. And I yeah. can respect that for sure. Well, I've had more than one experience. I could probably try and figure out something to share. I Thank you, Lindsay, for being curious. Uh, maybe one day I'll share more things. But, I, you know, I, I had I, – I won't say I was as traumatized as the kids in Hill House. I, I was not physically altercated by a ghost. Um, but I've had enough, enough happen that has scared the hell out of me. I will tell you the reason I was asking you about your dogs earlier is, um, I had a a dog, there was a house that we lived in. Uh, my daughter was little and, and just putting some of these things together. I've talked multiple times about when my kid was little, she was that creepy kid in the movies Mm -hmm. that she would wake up. You know, I was a night owl. I was up very, very late. So at midnight, um, she would very often wake up and she wouldn't speak. And, you know, I know lots of people go through this whole thing, but that on top of my dog would very frequently act very strange, would just give me this creepy feeling that we had in the house. And this was not my most extreme experience at all. This is very light that happened in this house. So that's why I'm okay talking about it. But we had a Rottweiler, love that dog so much. And um, he would in various places in the house and especially in the hallway where our, we had this uh, where you could look into the hallway from the living room and he would stand on the edge of the, uh, you know, kind of back from the hallway a little bit in the living room. And he would, it would be dark. It would be night. And he would be just very quiet. He would just, he could be sleeping next to me in the living room as I'm watching TV late at night. My husband worked nights at the time. So I was up late at night by myself. The dog would get up very quietly make no noise but like something woke him up his ears would perk up like he either heard or saw something get up and walk over to a spot in the living room and then stare up at the hallway um in the dark hallway and just sit there forever and i would be like and i'd be expecting him to like bark or growl sometimes he'd get a low growl but it was Mm. very quiet but i'd be like Dodgy, what are you doing, bud? What's going <laughs> Stop on? Stop it, Dodgy. You're freaking me out. Yeah, I don't like what you're doing, bud. Do you hear something? Do you see something? And he would not like look at me at all. He was such a good dog um, that he would listen to me. But if he was on the... And th- this happened countless times. This was not just a one-time yeah. event. This happened quite often and at various places. He would stare at a corner up in the living room and just stare for like an hour. And it was just like... I'm getting the hell out of here. Someone get a priest and some holy water and some sage and do something with this house. But anyway, I digress. You wanted to hear about an experience. That's about as far as I'm willing to go at this point with something that light. That's very, very light because probably hundreds of people have that same story. Um, Anyway, sorry, I digress. We'll get on with feedback. Uh, Maureen Favo says, this is the episode where the message about being haunted, not necessarily by literal ghosts, but the ghosts of our lives came through and made me realize the story was about so much more than a haunting. Dark, creepy episode, but so important to the overall story. So see, we got someone else that kind of make 
you know, makes you think something else happened, but I don't know. The house has got to be haunted. I just, I think it just is to an extreme level on something else that happened either to those kids or to that house. Um, We have another voicemail from our friend, Steve Brown. Hi, Raymond and Sean. It's Steve. And just had a couple of real quick notes about the twin thing. I didn't get a lot of notes. I, I like this episode. Uh, it's really good. I like to see these things from Luke's perspective. But I, I did figure something out that I don't think I realized before. Luke is actually the first one who knows that something happened in now. Now, obviously, he doesn't know exactly what happened. But I realized if the timeline is the, the way it is, is that he wakes up in the middle of the night choking and that's the same time everybody else wakes up in the middle of the night but then the next morning he gets up and his friend has left and so he leaves and then it's that night that he goes to steven's to try to steal the ipad and stuff and steven meets him and and sees him and then tells him i gotta the ipad has to stay here gives him a couple hundred bucks and then steven goes upstairs and luke leaves and then Steven sees his ghost from the very first episode and the dad calls him and says that she's dead. And then it's, so it's, it's gotta be a whole nother, you know, 12 hours or, or more because then it's, it's the next night or maybe it's later that same night that Steven found out about Nell's death, that he goes to the treatment center and then Luke calls the treatment center and they go get him. So it just is interesting to me that, that I, I couldn't remember what the time frame was. It was how long Nell was in the house before she was discovered. So obviously it could have been more than a day or so. And uh, I forgot about all the dog barking stuff and, and even like the dog that Luke sees when he's sitting on the bench and then it disappears. And I don't know if that was a real dog or not. And this, this show is doing really well at, um, not letting us know, and, and we're not going to know for a while whether these things are all in their head or if they're actually seeing ghosts or is this just a family of crazies. So this went on a whole lot longer than I than I thought it was going to go, but uh, um, can't wait to hear what you guys thought of the twin thing. Awesome. Good points. Yeah, I like that the show's kind of like things that they've trickled in throughout kind of keep popping back up. And like you said, it's been four episodes. It feels like it's been a lot longer than four episodes. Like I feel like yes. we've gotten a lot of information in just four individual episodes. We've had some of these Netflix shows where they're 10 episodes long. You're like, oh, fuck, they could have probably been like seven or eight. But like this one so far is doing really well. I, I've, I'm really enjoying it. I really enjoy it. And I d- <sighs> It doesn't feel, it's like, it feels like from the time the episode starts till it's over, you're like, oh my God, it's over already. Uh, You know, I feel like you're, for me, I'm so engaged and so involved in the story and trying to figure out what is happening here with the family and what, you know, what this mystery is that I'm I'm loving it. And it's not, um, you know, like, oh shit, can we just be done with it already? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which I haven't really felt that with any of them, but you get to episode seven, eight, it's like, Okay, I'm ready for it to. I'm ready for they something probably, new. Well, they probably could have wrapped this up like an episode or two ago. Is sometimes where where you're at. Sometimes yeah. with a, with a couple, like we probably didn't need ten episodes. We probably could have done this in eight or something. But I think mm-hmm. with Hill House, we're definitely. I'm interested to see that because we have gotten four episodes in. We've so far gotten four of of the stories from siblings. We have one uh, one more sibling. So what then happens? What kind of episodes are we going to get? I wonder once. Um, like the centric stories of 
you know, the, the kids. Um, yeah. I wonder if maybe you have the five kids, maybe the lady that runs the, Oh, the, Dud- the Mrs. Yeah, Dudley, the, the, the female Dudley, the male Dudley, the dad, the mom, and then maybe all of them for episode 10. Maybe, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, where it goes or how they're going to structure the, the episodes in the, in the second half. Uh, mm. Once we've gotten all of it, because I, I, I mean, I feel like it's safe to say that we're next going to get Nell. Yeah, you know, since we've had all the other kids, so I think it's safe to say that, and I don't think it spoils anything to say that. Um, but then it's like, okay, so that takes care of the five kids. Where are they going from here? Will they focus on parents? Like you said, will it go something out, you know, outside of that, or you know? So I don't know. It's interesting, but I love getting everyone's feedback. I even appreciated some not so great feedback from someone that didn't enjoy the episode. Lindsay, I would love to hear if you listen to the. I, mean, I hope you're listening this week to this episode and see if your opinion has changed at all after listening to Sean and I discuss it this week. I'd love to hear. Uh, uh, from you again. So if you would kindly take a moment to let me know, I'd love you for it. Um, and thank you everyone that has taken the time to l- leave us some feedback. We've gotten some really great feedback from um, all of our great listeners uh, who take the time. Uh, I know everybody's busy. So when you take that time you know, out of your day to leave us a voicemail, write us an email, um, or leave us some feedback on our Facebook page, um, that means a lot because I know I'm a really busy person. So to take that effort to do that means a lot. So thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks, everybody. So big news. Uh, so this, you've probably seen your feed is coming out <laughs> on a Tuesday. And so this Friday, we're going to be covering the fifth episode from The Haunting of Hill House titled The Bit Neck Lady. And this episode description is a dark specter with an unsettling silhouette has haunted Nell since she was a girl. Now the bent neck lady is back. Hasta la vista, Nell. And she's calling Nell home. Uh, just so you know, uh, so it's not official official yet, but we can probably be safe to say that a show that Reem and I both love to cover, A Black Mirror, should be coming out towards the end of December. So to make sure we get through Haunting of Hill House in time, we're going to start doubling up if we can. Uh, so we'll release one episode on a Tuesday, one on a Friday, and that should get us right finished with Haunting of Hill House the day before, potentially. Uh, Black Mirror comes out, and then we're going to jump into Black Mirror. Yeehaw! I know we have lots of fans out there of Black Mirror. We are huge fans of Black Mirror. Yes. Um, so I think a lot of people were excited about that. That did leak today. Now, is it official, unofficial? We don't know. Nothing has been confirmed. But we do know from last year, they never confirmed a date. It just released on Netflix there at the end of December. And that is what was released today or leaked today was December 28th, a potential release date. So that is why we've decided to release these double episodes for your listening pleasure, but also to get us in a good place for when Black Mirror is released so we can start chit-chatting about that. So we hope that you guys join us for that. Um, And we are also excited for you to join our paranormal investigation for updates from Hill House. You can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like House Podcastica at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. 
so many great podcasts on uh, podcastica.com and house podcastica. Kristen is banging out Game of Thrones rewatch like nobody's yes. business. I mean, I'm holy ready shit. For April. Oh my God. April 2019. I think we all, we don't have an official date again, but we know it's in April. Um, I think we all know what we're going to be doing. <laughs> that month um and it's my birthday month so nice happy, happy birthday, birthday from game me. of thrones yeah exactly thank you double d's and the powers that be at hbo for my early birthday present um because we all know by now right that i do like i take the whole month i celebrate yeah. the entire month yeah that's I what mean, you're supposed to do yeah i mean it's my, i will be saying all april just fyi everyone i'm gonna say it's my birthday <laughs> <laughs> the entire month and you're going to write in and say shut the fuck up you know <laughs> anyway so yeah um, be sure to check out Kristen she's doing a bang up job and you know Sean and I might have been on a couple episodes if you yeah. really love us go check us out on some house podcastic episodes and make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, because that man loves to podcast um, oh yeah and his language of bromance that comes out every Sunday uh, and if you're doing a little bit of holiday shopping, make sure you check out our Amazon link. It is in the show notes. Give us a little bit of a kickback and no extra charge to you. That's right. We love Amazon. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 65, The Twin Thing. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Des Combs is strange indeed.